Ready? Born ready. It's Wednesday. Time for your favorite podcast, your favorite podcast. Do me a favor, turn it up. Just cruise. You got time? Tell your mama, your cousin, your sister, and your brother too. The Just Elders podcast is here, and we got a great show for you. Let's ride. Today's gonna be a great day. Hey. When I wake up in the morning, love. YouTube, you know the vibe. We trying to monetize. Sunlight hurts my eyes. We always look crazy on YouTube. You just be singing, Something and they don't hear nothing. Hey. Hey. Bears heavy on my mind. My favorite part. When I look at you, hey, and the world all right with me. Ain't that something to look at somebody and you know it's okay? Just look, look at you, hey, and you know it's gonna be what it's gonna be, y'all. Hey, a lovely day. We're gonna do it just like this. What's up, family? It's your boy Eldridge. You're tuning to the Just Eldridge podcast. The hottest podcast to ever hit the airways. I am super excited. We're about to record the greatest episode we have ever recorded. I say it every time and I mean it every single time. Welcome back. Welcome back. First of all, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to last week's episode. Not only just my episode, thank you for tuning in to everybody's episode. Where to party at our political, your favorite political podcast. Who gave them boys a pie? Simply Pilot. All of y'all love and support has been amazing. So we thank y'all so much. 2023, we got some great. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the vlogs, too. The vlogs. Calvin killing the vlogs. Um, appreciate y'all for the support. Let's go up. And shout out to all of our new subscribers. We see you and we thank you. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers because if it wasn't for y'all, we really wouldn't be doing this. So we here. Keith. Do you do the intro every time? <laughs> oh, I got papa. Bro, I don't know why. So funny. <laughs> hey, look. When I posted oh, that clip, God. you seen how many views it got? Yeah, you got a lot of views. Like, people were like, yo, Keith. My, look, this is how I knew it got a lot of views. My sister, Sharday. Mm. You seen her on there? She was mm. like, Keith's on camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got right today, too. You know what I'm saying? Because he caught me crazy last week. Nope. You know what I'm saying? We right today. You know what I mean? See, look, it's, it's a whole level of pressure. Look, you man. You on that know, camera. Listen, you know, you know, I'm on relationship TV, so, like, I see how the Real Housewives do it. Like, that first season, Nene was looking crazy. <laughs> By season three, she was like, uh-uh, I ain't this money. I ain't, I, I got to get my nose done. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody change everything. BBLs, everything. You know what I'm saying? So, now, nah, I ain't doing all that. I got my glasses on this week, though, and my eye BBL. <laughs> uh, that's a, actually a perfect segue. I'm super excited. Um, today, I got an amazing guest coming on the podcast. We're just talking about... Um, just TV and narratives, you know what I'm saying? Things that we're watching, um, especially during COVID. One thing that COVID did, COVID, I feel like it tripled everybody's content intake. Like you was at your screen that much more. And um, you start getting a lot of reports of kids being depressed, kids being bullied. or Just because what you put in is very important. The stories we tell is very important. And we're losing. We talk about that here all the time. We said Just Elgin Media, uh, our slogan is we create content to push the culture forward. And that's what we're here to do. We want to educate 
elevate, uh, inspire all of the people through the power of media. Um, we understand the power of propaganda. Um, that being said, <coughs> ready, born, born ready. Um, that being said, you know, I've had a, a opportunity to be under a lot of leadership, under a lot of mentor, mentorship. And this young lady, um, is someone that done the same. A young lady I met, I mean, last year? Was it last year? Two years ago. It's been, it's been 2020, right? I think so. It's the end of 2020. It yeah. seemed longer. That's why, yeah. that's why I can't get it. But yeah, 2021. 2021. No, 2021. 2021? Uh, perfect. Yeah. So met her in 2021, and she was a godsend. She was, uh, and she still is a great friend. So I'm super excited about this conversation because she don't do this. I think I'm like the, the behind-the-scenes puller. Like, I can get people that are usually behind the scenes on camera. I'm excited about that. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on the Just Elders podcast, uh, she is a leader. She is a, a friend. She is a teacher, um, a boss. I want y'all to give it up a round of applause to the co-founder and CEO of Chromatic Black, Miss Abini Bloodworth. Why, thank you. I'm so happy. <laughs> What's up, man? To be here, yeah, and I get to be on camera with both of you guys. So, yeah, I'm feeling real. This is a great way to start 2023. Yeah, yeah, this that year. So I said this year, I'm going to one gift my audience with every relationship that I've been blessed with. Okay. And that's my goal this year. Is really, I have a lot of dope conversations that are typically on my phone, and I'm like, man, I wish the world could have heard this. Because they would have got something out of it. So this is what this is. This is me blessing the people with you. You are so charming, Eldred. <laughs> Thank you. That's high praise. That's high praise coming from you. Abini, let's get into it. Chromatic Black. Well, first of all, you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love your background, your story, who you are. Let me just give people a little bit of that. Because when we met, we instantly connected just based off of your upbringing and your passions. You know what I'm saying? So who is Abini? Um, so I'm the oldest of, uh, three girls. I was born in Atlanta. Um, so my mother was an artist and my dad is a carpenter. So I'm the product of an artist and a carpenter coming together. A creative, creative. Yeah, creative. Mm -hmm. So he builds houses and my mother would create, you know, beautiful art. Um, and I'm a product of Atlanta. So I think I... I'm all the best of uh, of of Atlanta and Georgia. Right. I think that's who I am. Right. You know, so um, black excellence, uh, community, connection, meaning, uh, 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 love. You know, I think uh, I I think I'm Atlanta. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, chromatic black man. That's really. What I love, you know what I'm saying? That's the work that I was introduced to you. You want to tell people about that? And I know she has an amazing partner. Shout out to Angela. We love you, baby. Yeah, you know that's right. She's not here. So New York, New York. Yeah, so we uh So Chromatic Black is uh is based on a color theory that says that the deepest shade of every color is uh black. And that black is uh relational. Um, and it, and and we came to understand this color theory um, because of one of our uh, s staff 
folks who's an artist, a visual artist named Sing Summers. And so she took a class at Temple um, and we were we were thinking about, you know, concepts and names. And we love that idea of 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 this uh, this idea of chromatic black. And so um, the vision is the reclamation of story as a public common. And our mission is to disrupt the master narrative uh, with good storytelling. And uh, can you go into what the master narrative is? This is oh, what I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's informed by Toni Morrison. Yeah. She talks about the master narrative. It's essentially all of the contemporary mutations of white supremacy. Mm. Um, and, uh, and and so it's, it fuels belief systems, um, which in turn fuel behavior. Right. That inform policy, right. um, and that's destructive, and so um, and it gets dis- created and distributed and exported around the world um, through a system where you know black folks we're you know most of the content that we consume, which is why your podcast and all that you do you know at Eldridge Media is so important. Because we need more good food. Right. Because we think storytelling is essentially is as essential as uh, as food for the soul. It is. It yeah. is. It, it very much is. Um, and just for those again, that master narrative is those lies that we have adopted because they've been repeated in our head. You know what I'm saying? Like that black is not beautiful. I mean, it's from the casting, how for a minute. It wouldn't be casted if you were dark skinned and we only want to cast light. All of that stuff is the master narrative. All of that is that propaganda that make us look at ourselves in a way that is not worthy. Absolutely. And, we call it chromophobia, yeah. which is anti-blackness. Mm. You know, you ever walk into a museum and it's all white, void of color or into a home. It's an aesthetic. Damn. And you, so, you see the foundational color of this studio. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So for those of you who are not here, we got uh, shades of blue and black Everywhere. and creams. Um, it looks very masculine. So, you know, this is a masculine company. <laughs> see, look, that could be. Change, two, yeah. <laughs> that could be two things. <laughs> no, it's good. So. But, you know, we do have, it's not finished. Shout out to 243 Co. So we, this is like our second week here. Okay. We couldn't wait. Uh, 243 Co. is actually adding our finishing feminine touch. So it's a balance. Okay. It's going to be a balance. It's a yeah. balance of femininity and the masculinity. Yeah. yeah, no, but it reflects. It's a, you all can't see all the men that are behind the scenes, but they're beautiful and they were gracious and Trying to offer water and snacks. Water and snacks. <laughs> Make sure Several we times. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you're here, man. I mean, because, like, I want people to create more. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's so many stories that's not being told. I feel like there's so many songs that are not being sung. Like, there are a lot of movies that are not being uh, shot because people are either scared they don't know how you know what I mean and I, I just feel like your organization even with the um uh Ida B. Wells fund like even with the projects like that has been a conduit and a launch pad for creatives to really 
unapologetically tell black stories or tell stories that are not um, parallel with the master narrative. Absolutely. And it's 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 not only the the creation making the reason why it's important for us to create is because it's the meaning making of the art. Mm. Right. So often what gets produced, you know, um, funded and then produced and then disseminated and therefore we consume that even though it has a black face or black veneer, it's not reflected of our black cultural values. Mm. And then we consume it because the medium is so powerful. And then what you begin to have is that we begin to ape what we see and what we hear. And it is very far removed from who we are as a, as a people. So when do we, when is that to, to that point? You know, cause right now I feel like, especially in my generation, the obsession with the bag is our one of our biggest downfalls, right? Um, if you got the bag, I kind of believe you a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you're a little bit more credible. Uh, our obsession with the bag, I think, is outweighing our desire to uphold and uplift our culture and our people. So, like, when did that? you see that transition happen in, in content and in, like, just in music and everything? Like, because I know... You've been doing this work for a minute. When did you see, like, dang, people would do yeah. anything to get that check now? Yeah. So, you know, we always bring, like, this kind of racial equity analysis to the work, right. right? And the bag is essentially racialized capitalism. Mm. It's not new. It's it's not new. So it fuels a, 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 a belief and an understanding, uh, which which you see in, like, electing um, a president that's perceived to be wealthy and powerful and white. Mm. And, you know, when that person says, I could go out and I could kill somebody and I could get away with it. What was astute about that was very being very, 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 t- the understanding of, of how power and privilege works in this country. Right. Right. And so when you don't have power, uh, and you haven't, and you don't have an analysis of that power, right. then you want to mimic the power. And so that that's what comes out when we hear, it, when we when it's about the bag. Right. right? We're not asking like, how'd you get the bag? Right. You know what you have to do. Um, we don't care. We're just like, yeah. Oh, congratulations, you got that bag. Yeah, congratulations. But you know, as a people, intent is as important as important to us as impact. That's a cultural value. Right. That's not reflected. And so, you know, you can produce a viable uh, a series that have really damaging, um, destructive images of black folks, but because the... You want to give examples? Nah, because I got to work with these people. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not that brave. I can't be that brave. Well, see, I was just about to ask that question, though, right? Because what about the other side? You know, we do need a bag. I have a family. I have kids to take care of. I got to eat, man. I have to eat. And if 
nobody's going to call me out on it and, and y'all let ain't, me get the bag. And y'all ain't buying my stuff out of Trump. Well, but besides that, nobody's going to call me out on it. I'm going to get the bag and, yeah, we know it, but put a name on the bullet. Nobody's going to say that person is taking a bag and that was a bad movie. This person is acting in a bad movie and y'all know this doesn't depict us well. Y'all know that narrative was false. Y'all know that history was a lie, but we all need a bag. So then how do we balance that? You know, how do we reconcile that, especially being black? Yeah, good question. Great questions. So, one, as black folks, you know, we have great compassion for other black folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also know that we have to live and survive within a system um, that's that that's essentially designed to to rob us of our humanity, right? And so my I'm not in conversation with people who are trying to survive. Mm-hmm. I am in conversation with a system and structural forces, um, and the power that enables conditions where people have to work against their own best interest. Mm. That, that's my conversation, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve me or even serve us to, for me to box with someone who's, who, who I would make different decisions, but I have an acute compassion and understanding of why they're having to do that. Us, black women, you know, which is it's like, let's change the conditions. So we create our own institutions. Right. So chromatic black is the aspiration is that we have an institution that's well funded where we can support creatives to do the work. And then what happens is and we continue to build an audience base. And so what happens eventually is black folks will make a decision because if you are confronted with clean water versus Murky water, murky water. Then you're gonna choose the clean water, and so then we'll vote with our with our whether or not we we the viewership. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We and so that's a it's a it's an exercise. It's a journey. Um, it's sort of cool. I understand you're on the peaceful side, but not I, peaceful. Strategic. Strategic. But who are the boxers now? Who who are? Can you tell us who who's out here boxing? Yeah, so peaceful, not peaceful, strategic, okay. tactical. She ain't scared me. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, for the levers for transformative change or justice, there's several levers that require inside-outside strategies. Right. So, but if you ask me who's boxing, who's calling people out, then you look at like Rashad Robinson with Color of Change. All right. Effective, you know, unapologetically black, loving black folks, um, because we need we need you need a lot of different folks doing the work, right, t- for us to to get to that north star, right. Um, you know, chromatic black, we have a very definitive. We're, we're trying to respond to a very definitive pain point. Um, and in order to do that, you know, and, and we're black women, so it's founded by three black women. Uh, so, you know, 
the the way we go about it is you want to be able to provide a, a a place and a space for the diversity of perspective in our community mm. right and um and then you want to you want to power those perspectives so how 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 diverse right um here's the struggle i see within our community our political diversity is very lacking right it's either you're a republican if you're a republican we ain't rocking with you at all right or if you're a democrat right and then i feel like that's where we get sliced in the middle and we're not even being objective over policy. We're being objective over people, right? Like, I, I can feel you on some of the people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can feel you. I ain't rocking with that either. But can we admit that all the policy that has came up from either part, I would argue neither party has got it right on how we can protect ourselves and take care of our personal agenda. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you say you're creating spaces where people are safe to uh, have different perspectives, like, how wide is that space? And does it overlay into stuff like politics, stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we started to talk about, I do think that there's a third alternative. And I think that we are maturing civically in this country mm. where this conversation of beyond the vote, mm -hmm. what is the policies, what is the agenda that serves our community, right? Right. And so you've got the Working Families Party, which is an alternative that mm. is building, that has strong base, strong coalition, running, you know, um, uh, uh, candidates that reflect a progressive policy, mm. right? That is, I think, you know, life and, you know, focused on the inherent dignity of all folks. Right. Mm -hmm. And that politics is essentially just about the allocation of resources. Right. And so for us, black folks is when we are running candidates, having those candidates uh, agree to champion the agenda, the legislative agendas, the policy agendas that are in the best interest of black people. Right. And for me, it's having a racial equity lens. You know what I mean? So we talked earlier about we need to do something about affordable housing. Right. right. You know what I mean? That's policy. Right. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, this is just Elder's podcast, right? Uh, we have a lot of diverse listeners. You said <laughs> racial equity lens. You know, what, what's that? Less, what's a racial equity <laughs> lens? <laughs> I forgot <laughs> who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah, this, this is Keith Hager. This please, is please, please explain we, what yeah, racial equity is for him. What's a racial equity mm -hmm. lens? Racial equity means that at the center of oppression is, um, you know what, I just learned, okay, let me explain it. I, I, I tell a story. Um, I just was in the company of a man who comes into. To, to assess public schools. And it helps new superintendents figure out a way to better serve their school populations. And so he went in and he looked at some data in Gulfport. And the data said that black children that were coming from 
middle class, even wealthier families were performing uh, at a lower rate than white poor children. And the takeaway was that the determinant of that was race. Now, some of us think that the determinant is money, right? Mm -hmm. But the data is saying that the determinant of how well we are in this country is race. Mm -hmm. And so when we say we need to have a racial equity lens to policy is that we have to take into consideration um, and we it has to be informed by understanding of how of of how race plays in our well being. So I give you an example. I'm sitting at an MPU meeting just a couple of years ago, and uh, one of the pieces of legislation that was coming up in the city of Atlanta was to uh, uh, create. Um, an an application process where if you have a studio in your home, that it needs to be licensed. Yeah, they wanted to, that in order for you, in order for a person to establish a studio, a recording studio in their home, that that they wanted to, to, to create a licensing Process. I make sure that ain't V. You know, what part of Atlanta is this? We're not in Atlanta. We're in Washington D.C. Yes, yes, yes. You're wondering. But check it out. So we were in Atlanta over there near, um, off of uh, Metropolitan. I'm sitting at the the, I'm sitting in a, at the library. Okay. The MPU media having conversation. Mm -hmm. Black folks, mostly black folks sitting in there. You know, pepper with some other folks. And you know what happens? You got to got to pass the MPU before it gets to the city council, right. and we got to make the recommendation. You got to make the recommendation, and it, this was a conversation, and so then it came to a vote, and and black people raised their hands, and then you know I have to say, hey, 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 who does this impact? Who is this going to impact? This is going to impact just other media. Right? It's going to impact all the young boys, right, who have this aspiration and have built studios in their mama's basements, right, and are producing music, having the agency and the power to begin to control their own artistic and cultural destiny. Right. And that the city wants to impose and create a barrier, an additional barrier that would impede. Impede that 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 kind of that that power. Exactly. Right. And there wasn't an equity analysis of what they were proposing. What they how it was being presented was that it was an economic issue. Right. Mm. That it was about um, uh, 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 um, it is essentially is control. See, and, and I don't know, we might have to cut this out. I don't know. But let okay. me ask because this directly. Right. Because even when you said yeah. that 
economic issue. So the racial equity lens, I feel that there's been data. There's uh, there was a report that came out a couple of years ago that said like racism in America cost us like over 50 trillions of dollars just by not promoting people and not giving black business. So we have the data. We have the information. We have it. So like what really is impeding it? If we are looking through some of this with racial equity lenses and have the data and it's about a hierarchy of human value. Mm, okay. So this dominant narrative is that some people are better and inherently are entitled and other people are not. It can it's 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 and in this country the axis of power is race, class and gender. Mm. Right? Mhm. And so some people are like, well, if you got all the money, then then you're not subjected to the uh, indignities of what it means to be poor and black. Right. Except we know that is not true. Right. So wasn't it like Ryan Coogler like went up to the West End and tried to take some money out of the bank? You know, I, was, I talked about this one time. You know, I was so mad at him on that. Dig through the crates, dig through the crates. I was just saying, yeah, yeah. we, yeah. we should have did a whole plan. Like, you know, like other communities, you know, we look, other communities, they have their people. Hey, like, that I'm was not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor, and what hospital, and what media went to. We know I can't say that. So we just need to be like the other people and have the same type of stuff. If somebody accosts us, hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. Because there was no accountability on that. None. And, and, and right, you directed First Real Station. <laughs> like, you know what it looked like to get killed by the police. They had guns drawn on you. And then, I mean, and examine <laughs> right. that they're telling. Right. I'm like, I'm like, he was, and it was just such a. Well, they said I'm sorry, Devin. And the tellers, like you watch, I was, I was watching how it even got curated in the news, you know. So I'm always like, why this story at this time? Master narrative, right? And and who made the decision to interview the tellers? And the tellers are black, two black women that went and had a conversation with a black man, and so. In the scene of a black man who comes up and asks for their money, then what, how was that being processed? Right. And so how we see ourselves, so sometimes we're thinking that this is an external conversation or this is all about the other. Chromatic black is saying, no, this is even about how we see ourselves. Yeah, like white supremacy is a system that is even held up by people that look like it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? People don't understand that. And it's we're not fighting people, we're fighting systems. You know what I'm saying? And if you knock down those systems, those people can no longer they don't no longer have a system to uphold. But like it's not always just cut of your skin folk don't mean they're your kin folk. Like, Absolutely. <clears throat> so let me ask you let me ask you this off of that, because you talk about narratives and you talk about the black community. Um do you think that our narratives change faster than other communities because sometimes when I'm looking like at what's being perceived to us and I'm watching and I'm listening I'm like well yeah that might have been an old narrative like I might have heard oh you know there's no black men in the homes okay that might have been a 90s narrative you know but in 2020 2023 I know a lot of brothers in the homes and taking care of their children so that narrative has shifted so when does when do we catch up when the shift of narratives are in our actual home? In my opinion, 
the narrative shift is so hard to happen because we don't control the narrative. One, we don't control the vehicles in which those narratives ride in. So typically the narrative is, if you talk about crime, who shapes that narrative, right? Like if based off of the news, this is a horrible neighborhood to live in, right? Or a horrible area because you oh, you're right there beside the West End and somebody just got robbed there. But that ain't... And haven't you all caught that right after Floyd and then we started to have these conversations about defunding the police I was just about to say something. and the traction that was occurring? Have you not, has it not, is it not interesting to us that now, like during, since we've come out of a pandemic lockdown, that we're now hearing all of this images of the like big, bad, young, black violent, you know, criminal, you know, hitting, hitting Asian people over the heads, you know, hitting old people over the head. Like every single day I'm getting three stories coming out of the news about how criminalized, how violent predators, young black men are. Has that, and then I'm like, are we not, this isn't a direct response to like the traction of the defund police. Ca- well, it, it is that narrative coupled with the defund the police narrative that somehow they took defund the police as we don't want any police. We don't want any protection. We don't want anybody to hold any. But but that they took that narrative and just shifted it and made it. That's by design. That's, that's what's going on in Washington. And you see how they're doing it. No, that's not what black people black people saying. We're over policed. So all that extra overtime money y'all giving to them. Pay them regular time and give some of the extra money to the community centers so we can combat the other narrative. When you say there are black kids out here fighting and killing, where but, you know, take that money and but put that, it into the community. But that narrative of there's no, because there is a, here's the issue too. Our coalitions have to get stronger. Um, and what I mean by stronger, we have to vet organizations that we allow in our coalitions. Because if you, I can just speak about the organizing world here in Atlanta, there are, those people that are like, nah, we don't want police at all. We anti-police, and they're they're in your meetings, they're in your situation, they're speaking, and they're not aligned with the mission. See, like we, and, and I got blamed young organizers, young organizers, because they are they are not vetting people in the organization like they used to. They just kind of, oh yeah, let's start an organization and just run. You got people with you, you don't know who they are, you don't know their agenda. So it is people that are saying they don't want no police at all. Like, And I can give you a prime example. When the young lady was killed over there at Wendy's, because after uh, the brother was killed at Wendy's, right? And then the protesters, Rayshard Brooks, mm-hmm. when he was killed, uh, there was protesters that was out there and they were marching and they was like, and then there was other group of protesters that came. They had the guns and all that stuff. Then they got, they shot up a car with a baby in it. And I was in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was from people in there talking about, nah, we don't need to tell the police. Man, what? You just killed this baby and you think we're about to let this ride? Hey, y'all listen to last week's episode. You already know how elders feel. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm snitching. Yeah. That baby. I'm snitching. You said I'm snitching. I'm snitching. Anybody know? All my friends know that, though. They don't do nothing in front of me. Yeah, we all, we all know. <laughs> like, I'm not going to jail. <laughs> like, but then also, it doesn't give us license to, to act up. Nah, yeah, it I agree it with you. It doesn't. So, we, we but I would just say that to say, our, it's hard for us to change our narratives the way we want to, because one, we don't control 
the narrative where it's coming, the source of the narrative, because we don't vet people in our organizations enough, and we don't control the vehicles in which those narratives travel, which is your media outlets, like your news, your radio, and all that stuff. So, they, you know, everybody done been interviewed on the news before, and the way they chopped it up ain't the way it laid out. Like right. they they can tell the story how they want to tell it, so yeah. that's why. What, what, what we need about to like uh, what about like talking points though? Like how and, and is there any space in our narratives to have you know black talking points? Like if you ever listen to uh, right wing radio, every caller says the same thing. They like they have like talking points. No matter if they're where they're at on the socioeconomic ladder, they all say the same thing. You know, when will we get some just, you know, just three main black talking points? You know, we want reparations. We want uh, school. You know, we want better homeschooling situations for our children. Like, what's going to be the main talking points for us in our narratives? Like, how do we get to that point, too? So we can start pushing, you know, some of this on, on some of these things. Well, I can say that. I mean, we should think about that and then come up with the talking points for every black person. And then we could disseminate that. You know, what's you what's really cool is that we've we've been spending a we have a lot of time in this country. And we talk about this It's like the cross pollinization of genius. So bringing together all of the intelligence, talent and folks so that we can have a more informed strategy and tactics about how we move forward. So what you say is like, look, everybody needs a talking point. Right. And we can we can do that. And so there's while there's a lot of stuff that we I want to say that I'm aware of all the work that we are doing and other communities look toward black folks because we do speak we do speak and challenge power. In a way that that and we teach sure. we teach other people we teach other peoples how to be human. We rem- we are the conscience of this democracy. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of stuff that and we do a lot well. Right. We need more. Yeah. Um, but we do a lot well. And and, and how and this is a question I have because this year I'm, I'm trying to work on growing and expanding myself, right? I so, know. <laughs> yeah, so how, how do we uh, work and hold uh, allies accountable? How do we do that? Um, if, if you have any advice on that, because I see Chromatic Black, y'all have a lot of perspectives, a lot of yeah. range. You know, we're learning. I, we're, we've been meditating on our own kind of uh, the challenges of what is, of, of doing this work. Um. And I can tell you that that's one of the the things that we're we are struggling with right now. Um, to be in to have partners who say that they have anti racist agendas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but behavior contradicts that, and so it's frustrating, right? The the work that we're focused on is how do we capitalize an institution and ensure ensure that it is resourced well? Right. How do we partner with creatives right. um, that can produce 
art, groundbreaking art. Uh, and then how do we get that out so that everybody can consume it? So what about, um, I told him to do that, Keith. That's on me. Um, what about, speaking of that, when you talk about funding your artists, uh, can you talk a little bit about Ida B. Wells Fund? Oh, yeah. And the work y'all doing over there? Yeah, yeah. So Eldridge helped us to launch the Ida B. Wells Fund. I do. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, too. Yeah. My so, favorite boss that ever fired me. <laughs> did I fire you? You did fire me. Or did you fire yourself? <laughs> No, um, I wouldn't fire myself. <laughs> I probably, I probably made decisions that got me fired. But you fired me. Party, party. Oh yeah. Out of me, well, I told, I told you I was bringing something up. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, jeez. Um, so I after I met your mama and your sister, oh my God, that was so hard. Um, <laughs> somebody ain't doing the math right. <laughs> uh, but one of still one of my favorite people in the world. Um, okay, so Ida B. Wells is a fund that uh, uh, supports uh, creatives across several artistic disciplines. Mm -hmm. We capitalize the fund. So the filmmaking, um, we provide uh, uh, what we call investment grants mm -hmm. um, to creatives to create disruptive art. And, uh, and then this year we launched the Visual Arts Fund and we also have done creative placemaking. Are y'all uh, accepting uh, applications now? Is it done? What what, what are the little? So we had the second. Uh, we had the second round um, this year. We uh, increased it from ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollars. Nice. And um, we we're, we will announce at the end of this month the the winners. Mm -hmm. um, I think the work is really phenomenal. Uh, one of the short films last year, Fanny. Um, was up for Oscar nom uh, nominated for for the live action short um, and we just learned uh, uh, that it has received a nomination for NAACP Image Award um, and that work was uh, created by uh, Faith Filmworks and Christine Swanson the director and Anjanu Ellis um the actor and they did a they brought Fannie Lou Hamer to life in nine minutes in, in a little nine minute short it's like beautiful and provocative um you know we are in deep gratitude for being able to partner with them right, right. you know and create that uh and then it also helped us to 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 know we want to not only provide the funding but like marketing promotion legal right. um Helping folks to, you know, protect their IP. Yeah. Getting the artists okay. all the way together. Okay. Yeah. You know, distribution. Um, Man, I wish I worked here. <laughs> you, know, you say uh, Ajanu Ellis. That's uh, the actress from Lovecraft. That was yes. uh, from Richard. Yeah. Will yes. Smith's wife, y'all. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, for the audience out there, you know. You say yeah. Ajanu, they're like, who? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's a, No, she is. No, like, no, she, no, she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. She's, 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 she's yeah. Loved um, her in Lovecraft. That was great. Yeah, she's. And so Fannie Lou Hamer, she's from Mississippi. And so, um, you know, she's like, we have to tell the story of Fannie Lou Hamer. Um, and in a way where we get to make meaning of her life. Mm. Right. And so and not just telling it like for the historical purpose, 
or is a historical exercise, but but what she means for us today, right? Can you um give some advice or inspiration to those that are out there creating content that is disrupting the master narrative, but they're a little discouraged. Um, they don't have the funds. They don't, you know, they're trying to keep going, but it is hard. And they feel like, man, this would be so much easier if I just made them raggedy-ass movies like everybody else, you know what I'm saying? Or that art that is selling, right? The art that is receiving fun, it would be easier. Why do I keep staying on this road? So you know what I think is uh, that we need your art because the culture will die. And so, you know... That you that that the artists I actually think that artists are the most important and the most significant. Um, and I'd say you know what, reach out to us on you know Instagram at chromatic black and let's have a conversation. Right, let's see what kind of support that we can extend. Uh, the money piece, Eldridge, we should guys, we should. Think about how we can help people understand how to tap into resources. Um, And it's just a skill. And so how do we build that muscle? Right. right? And the relationshiping. Because you're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's relationshiping. Yeah. Right. So. uh, And then as a collective, the power of the collective is, you know, we can advocate on behalf of the art that's important to us. Right. And we can ask and we can we can make compelling ask for that art to be funded and invested in. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? I love it. I love it. Um, you're dopamine. I'm just a reflection of of you, Eldridge. That's true. I'm pretty dope. <laughs> I know I'm dope. <laughs> I have one last question. You, you talked about it uh, earlier about uh Things is going on in Perry. So I'm a wildcat. So, you know, Fort Valley, one Robbins, Perry, you say that. You know, oh, my God. So I came across. Up. Yeah. So Check I, the vlog. <laughs> Coming I know. So, <laughs> so, you know, what's so cool is we, um, one of our friends, allies is Malcolm Spellman. And, uh, you know, you know him from the Marvel, the, uh, what's the, uh, he shot a Marvel movie. Uh, which one he did? Um, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. The Falcon the, and the Winter the director. Soldier. Oh, he was the director. But yeah. That's the best one they... <laughs> it did, and it was subversive, right? Great, yeah. great. That, see, that's good storytelling. Mm, great storytelling. Great storytelling. And Brother Became Captain America. Yeah. Shout out. Yes, yes. Um, and, um, you know, and, and actually the kind of uh, existential crisis, it, it, it caused him, right? And so I was like, this is really solid writing. Um, but Malcolm is a friend to Chromatic Black, and we're about to launch a, uh, a, a program where basically it's, it's to provide support to, it's called a Genius in the Hood. And so identifying filmmakers uh, in communities that don't have a pathway to uh, Hollywood, right? And so he's he's bringing all of his capital 
you know, he's raising um, the funding to ensure that that all of the barriers that would prevent somebody to, to go down that path. So like folks who get a generous stipend of $65,000 a year, they get, um, you know, their, their, their health insurance and their benefits. Mm. They're going to get equipment and supplies. They'll get the training um, that allows them to like, you know, intern. And so he's addressing, cause Hollywood McKinsey wrote a report that said that, if we don't address the diversity issue in Hollywood, they lose about $10 billion a year. And so, and so he firmly believes that the genius, the artistic genius is in the hood. Um, And and so we're excited about that. And then Perry, Georgia is came across about 440 acres in Perry, Georgia of like beautiful, lush land uh, with two water sources and uh, we're we're embarking upon this journey to build a sustainable studio based on wellness uh, principles in Perry, Georgia. And some solar panels. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and some, um, you know, uh, farm-to-table restaurants yeah. and, a, and a learning center and a water tank and so, some I'm about to move back, sound I'm about to move stages. Back and, to the country, y'all. Yeah. That's what's up. When are y'all looking to break ground and start that process? 2024. That's what's up. 2024, yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Man, I wish I worked here. <laughs> Elvis, what happened, bro? Like, how could you ever leave such a good job? Why would you quit? Why would you quit such a good job, bro? <laughs> it was that I, pandemic stress. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I uh, I like that. Women come up with the best words. Pandemic, pandemic stress. stress. I'm taking this. Okay. You know, I went into a um, a slight depression. You know what I'm saying? I came up. Keith brought me out of it, though. Yeah, dig through the craze. Dig through the craze, man. What was down? Damn. It was sad about it. Yeah, it was never Eldridge. Eldridge is the best. See? He is the best. <laughs> oh, he is. He is the best. It was like it wasn't just you. It, was, it had to no, be a it bunch was, of people. I was given a lot. Of, it, I was given, it wasn't just I was one give, decision. It had to be like a board or something. Like yeah, that. they all fired me okay. on the Zoom. I recorded. <laughs> it. Okay. I recorded. You did not get fired on the Zoom. <laughs> I did get fired. On did the you Zoom. get fi- well? First of all, I didn't fire you. For, I don't remember that. I mean, I recorded it. <laughs> I have it. Did you really record? I, it? I record everything. Okay. Oh, that. You I know live what? for the concert. Oh my goodness, Lord have mercy. She said she didn't fight. She just kind of ghosted you. She was like, "Look, you know, you know how you know how jobs do. First, you work five days, then you work three, then you work one, and then it's like I'm working on the what schedule. What make it bad? What make it bad? It's like a respectful firing. I mean, you know, you like know, what's scared than me? Hey, but well, like when people are so nice about it, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you don't give me all these compliments. Just let let me go. <laughs> Let me go. You're the best person that we have to let go. <laughs> no, remember, Elder, do you remember what took you to um, dinner? We go to dinner. Elder said, you're not going to fire me over dinner, are you? <laughs> I said, don't fire me over dinner, man. Hold on, see, I took you to a public place. Y'all feel like a breakup. I ain't going to no, do it in the house. That wasn't a breakup. That, that wasn't a breakup yet. But I had to ask. Because I'm like, look, if you're going to fire me, and that's for any other future employee, don't fire me over dinner. Like, because what, the theory behind that, you can't frown while you're chewing. You know? Okay, but in full... But come on down. 
I get why you fired me. Okay. Yeah. But you right. fired me. Yeah. Because you were doing all this? Nah. No. No, it wasn't even that. It was, I was given a lot of liberty and within the organization. Mm. I got a lot of agency and decision. And I didn't make the best personnel decision. Mm. So I technically, I think, I think personnel, I made mm. some personnel decisions that were wrong. And then also, you know, the credit, the add the extra. It was never the, about his work yeah. or his contribution or his yeah. value. <laughs> it was, he was um, supporting other people who did not follow through. And the person that, that had to eat it was Eldridge. Mm. So, you know, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. He was trying to support, he was trying to help out some. Support black business. Yeah, support not, black folks. Not black business, black business. Yeah. <laughs> that was the word. <laughs> but, you know, I'm but, not, I'm not, you know, I, I, ain't, I ain't changing that, you know, my people still. Yeah, yeah. That, that, see, yes, because that's important. That was. That I never was, had, I never had a, I mean, I, I had four jobs, so <laughs> I couldn't I even know. get mad. I didn't, I didn't worry about it. <laughs> I did. Look, boy, I heard you making money. I ain't. <laughs> hey, look. She didn't know how Joe did. I got, look, I got fired from PSC too, though. Oh, no. But I knew I was going to get fired from them. Really? Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Also, if it you would have known he was, <laughs> he would get fired from there, you would have kept him. It would take. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like working there as much as I liked it. But the, you know what, too, black. is like sometimes this is it, is that. This is true. This is what I really believe. Is that Eldridge is not meant to work for anybody. I disagree with that. I think that he is a person that you partner with. And you build. That you partner. I, I really believe that you partner. Sharad said the same thing. Look, look at the look, guy that's dope in Look, but I disagree with both of them. <laughs> like, you partner. That's what people typically put me in. What? But I would love to just be a great employee. Hell yeah! I do not believe that. Man, it's, it's my too, cap, but I thought it, I took that out for twenty twenty three. I'm putting much, that back twenty twenty three. I thought you don't stop capping. It's too much thinking on this side. What? I just want to get a check and just work a great job. We don't believe that. You I mean, I, I might you. just test that theory. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, clip this. What you yeah, about to say? Not, I'm gonna test that theory, and then we will. So you partnering me or you hiring me? You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking about it. There you go. There you go. But I, I actually believe that you are. Um, I'm a great partner, but I am a good employee. I think though. you're probably a better partner than you are an employee. Sure. Yeah, I can say that. Yeah, because you have agency and, you know. So what, you we, what as- we partnering on, Avina? What we partnering on 23? What you need me to do? So one is I do think that we can create a slate of um, content together. Yeah. I think we can market it and promote. And then also I got some distribution partners I think that could work. And I think we can make some money together. Let's do it. Yeah. That's a high note to end on. Yeah, let's 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 partner and make some money. There we go. There I'm, we go. I'm yeah. definitely down to do that, man. Hey y'all y'all heard it here first. I got yeah. my job back. Got <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was good. I was a good sport about it, like because he didn't do no. it bad. Like I would never, oh, I never, I never felt no type of way. I appreciate that. No, because we no, proof proof. I didn't feel no type of way. I still had the domains. Yeah, yeah. from the website. Yeah, that's right. I had and IP. he gave them back. He didn't hold them. Yeah. And I know that somebody else jacked his. So sometimes when things happen to you, you do it to other people. Boom. See, yes. that's how you know we're friends. You know that story. Yeah. So. 
Nah, yeah, nah, but you know, I, like I, I, it was, it was like we you, did it with like as much love as I, I knew how to boast, like as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I remember. I remember. I mean, I, I remember you cried, but you said you were still cool with her. But it was did like, he cry? Did he really cry? I mean, listen, we don't, we don't want to talk about it on the pie. No black man ain't supposed <laughs> oh, to cry. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love you too. I love you too, man. Yeah. I, so look, tell the people how they can find you and get in touch with your organization, all the work. Ah, uh, so check us out on Instagram. It's chromatic.black. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to w. You can go to chromaticblack.org. Um, yeah. Or you know what? One of my best ambassadors is Eldridge. So if you have to be one of his friends, you can call Eldridge and he will Yeah, yeah I got you. Us. And I'll add all your links in the uh, show notes. In okay. The show. I'll add so everything that would be great. I got you. Um, yeah, we could do some cool stuff together. Let's do it. Abena, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank I, you. Thank I, you. Thank I hope you. you enjoyed yourself. This thank conversation you. could definitely have went way longer because there's a lot to do. So let's just plan for when Angela's in town. Oh yeah, that would be good. That'd be fun. I would love to bring Ashley back in. Okay. Thank you both. Thank you both. You're welcome. You're welcome. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. So, with that being said, guys, we say it every week. We love you. We need you. But most importantly, we can't wait to see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Jess Eldridge Podcast. Just a pastime. City with T.I. Outcasts and Uwe Everybody know about Atlanta It's just a Gucci Everybody know about the scammers By the trappers And what we living now It's just that lifestyle Turn on my podcast I'm trying to hit it real now Hear perspective We gonna keep it real now Every day we on the grind Sometimes it's hard to tune out the outside oh, oh, oh. It's just Eldridge It's just Eldridge Tuning on the podcast, yeah. Real things, you know we gon' last, yeah. Kick it back, kick it back, kick it back.